you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Have you ever tried to make sense out of suffering? Have you ever gone through or you know someone that's gone through a tragedy that you just cannot understand it? And it makes no sense. And, and we ask this question, we say... Why do bad things happen to good people, right? Now, now, I understand the Bible tells us there's none of us that are good. So we are approaching this from the wrong premise when we say, Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we are giving the assumption that we're good people. But the Bible says none of us are good. But just from a human point of view, that's our mindset. Why do these people, why do my friends, why are they facing such difficulties? Why are they facing such pressures? Why are they facing such situations? It doesn't make sense, Lord. You ever been there? I think every one of us in this room, we can tell you of a situation where it's personal or a friend or, or someone we know that has gone through a situation we can't make sense of it. And we say, God, I don't understand it. And guess what? He doesn't explain it to us, does he? But you have to constantly be aware we live in a sin-fallen world. And every one of us, we are sinners by nature and by choice. And also, God created you. He created me. Everybody on the face of us, he gave us freedom of will. I am not a Calvinist. I do not believe that you are predestined to be saved or predestined to go to hell. I believe you have a choice in the matter. And as God's Holy Ghost speaks to your heart, brings conviction of sin to your life, you stand the judgment of God right now. I will respond to Christ. I will reject Christ. I will obey Christ. I will not obey Christ. But you are given a free will and you make a choice. And sometimes people make choices that impact other people, right? Let's take, for instance, you choose to drink and you are responsible and you raise kids. And what you do in responsibility, your kids do in excess. And your kids in excess go out in the world and they get drunk and they drive and they cause a wreck. And it critically injures someone who is a good person, faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's to blame? God? No. But that's what we want to say. Why, God? He gave you free will. And sometimes our freedom of will oversteps itself and it goes in to impact someone else. And they no longer have that free will, right? But you better understand, why do these things happen? Why do illnesses come that we have no answer? I, I don't know all the answers to that. Do you understand what it says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 15? Chapter 28, verse 15. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. Yeah, it's still the Word of God. Jesus came to fulfill it, not take away. And it says there in chapter 28, it says, If you disobey my word, curses will come upon your life. Now, you better read that seriously, because if you are a child of God, if you've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, your desire in your heart should be to please Him. And if you can wake up every morning and He doesn't even cross your mind, I don't think you've been saved. 
Because you see, it's not a decision you make. It is a change that you receive by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you get born again, He comes into your life and He disturbs you when you're not doing right. He draws your mind to Him. And so, so sometimes the Bible says, if you choose not to obey me, if you choose not to pursue me, I will bring plagues upon you. I will bring sicknesses upon you. I will bring difficulties in your life. Your life will be frustrated after frustration. And that's where a lot of people live. They are, they're constantly frustrated. They get happy for a minute and then it's just like, oh, I just... That's part of the curse. But here's what I do know. Even though I don't understand why bad things happen to good people, if we use that phrase, I know that God is still on the throne. And I understand he has a bigger plan than Mark's brain. Do you realize that? I I believe in the sovereignty of God. And that means God is all-powerful. God is in control. Now, I can't get my arms around that all the time, but I'm not supposed to. If I can get my arms around it, then he's not that big, right? And I've learned a long time ago, when I have troubles understanding the Word of God, when I have troubles making application to the Word of God, it's not a problem with the Bible, it's a problem with Mark. Because the Bible is true without error. The Bible gives us the way of life. And, and so, so we, we, we come to these moments in life where we say, God, how could this happen? Why would this happen? God, did you allow this? Now, I don't know if you're familiar with a Southern Baptist pastor who's deceased named Ron Dunn. But Ron preached in, I believe it was Irvine, Texas at Grapevine Baptist Church. But he was a strong man of God, strong preacher. He struggled with depression. Constantly would have to drag himself out of bed. Make himself go to church. Make himself stand up in a pulpit and preach the word of God. But but, but what happened, he wrote a book called Heaven is Silent. Because his 17 year old son committed suicide. And he said, I don't know how to deal with this because this makes no sense. Can't get sense out of that. But but here's what he did. He, he said, he said, I would go to God and I would beg God to explain it to me, to show me, give me understanding. And he said, finally, it, it, it took a long time. He says, I didn't get the answers I wanted. Do you always get the answers you want? I don't. I sometimes I don't get an answer at all. And and here's what Dunn said. He said, after his son's death, he cried out, Why? Why me? And at some point he realized he was asking the wrong question. Because the right question was why not me? You see, we think sometimes we're going to be exempt from problems and trials and difficulties. And yet if you read the scripture, the word of God sometimes tells us the exact opposite. Because you see, here's what it says in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Did I read this already? All right. I I forget where I am sometimes. Verse 7. Now, if it was Sunday night, you ought to say, yeah, get on with it, preacher. 
And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. This is Paul, probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. He's saying there is a Satan, the messenger of Satan. He buffets me. He, He hinders me. And he said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, sometimes God will allow situations us to experience that we go through. We may not have brought them on ourselves or we may have brought them on ourselves. We may have been an innocent bystander and because of a relationship we are facing a difficulty. We are facing a challenge and God has allowed that and he said this is going to test your faith. It's going to test and show the genuineness. It's going to test and it's going to increase it to where it is stronger. It is able to do all that God intends for it to do. And he puts us in those situations and we cry out and sometimes heaven is silent. Because we're not hearing anything. But it's in those times, you as a child of God, you've got to understand that Jesus Christ, He is loving, He is merciful, He is kind, and He never makes a mistake. Now, now it feels like He didn't make the right choice, but the Bible tells us He's never made a mistake. And we have got to say, I trust you, even though I don't feel like it, even though what I'm experiencing is not enjoyable. But Lord, I choose to trust you through the pain and through the heartache because you are God and you are sovereign and you are in control. And it may look like things are spinning out of control, but you've got this. And Lord, I'm your child. I've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost of God lives inside of me. You enable me to stand. God, I will stand. I can't do anything else, but God, I will stand because I trust you. And suffering is part of all of our lives. Suffering is part of all of our experiences. It makes no sense. We can't get a rational explanation for it. But here's what we've got to come to grips with. God will even use that adversity in your life and in my life. He uses these situations to to break us. Because God's desire is for each of us who name the name of Christ to live out of brokenness. To where we completely love Him. We completely trust Him. We are completely submitted unto Him. He wants us to offer our lives a living sacrifice on the altar. And as I've shared before, when you put a sacrifice on the altar and you light that fire, the fire consumes it and all that's left is ashes. And then when the wind blows, when the Ruach of God, the Spirit blows, those ashes move wherever God wants them to move. He just blows upon your life, my life. And we respond instantly. That's what happens with brokenness. And it's not something we choose. No, 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 no. We don't choose it. But God says, 
Here's my desire in you, Christ's likeness, to make you into the image of myself. Because it's in brokenness. That's the way to strength. That's the way to stature. And none of us enjoy these things. We want the mountaintops, don't we? You see these pictures, these beautiful mountaintops? The fertility is in the valley. Because when the water comes down from heaven and it washes the topsoil, the nutrients, everything, it washes it off the mountaintops to where they don't even have growth up there per se. It's down in the valley. It's fertile soil. And God says it's in the valley moments of life that I'm going to teach you. It's in the valley moments of life I'm going to train you. It's in the valley moments of life I'm going to make you. So so, so God says I'm going to allow this into your life. He did not necessarily do it. He did not necessarily bring it. But it's there. He allowed it into your life and my life because says, I want you to understand what it means to trust me, to submit to me, and to love me. And I'm going to bless you through it. It's not the path we choose. But it's the path that God says, I'm going to use it. Because power is perfected in weakness. And the only way that I can have the power of Christ resting on my life or your life is through God touching my life. And it's painful. And it's difficult. And it's traumatic. But God says, I'm going to use it to get you to where you need to be. To make you into the man, the woman of faith. I want you to be to reflect to a lost and dying world. Because you can be that vehicle with which the grace of God goes out. The mercy of God goes out and other people's lives are touched because of that. Here's what brokenness does. Brokenness leads us to repentance. It leads us to repentance and to salvation. Because you see, sometimes we think we're a whole lot more than what we are, Right? I know it's true for, for, for teenagers, and I'm not throwing you under the bus, young people, but we've all been there. If we're not a teenager, we're older. But, but sometimes we think we're 10 foot tall and bulletproof, right? Yeah. Don't know how to pay a mortgage, but, man, we got it all together, don't we? <laughs> a lot changes when the bills come due and you're having to pay them. But listen to me. See, 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 see God says, I'm going to allow this into your experience because you need to understand what it means to yield yourself to me, to submit yourself to me. See, see, I, I'm going to, I struggle when I, and I look at individuals who resist the grace of God, who resist the word of God, who resist the free gift of God's salvation. They resist it. And, and, and they say, no, 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 I'm just going to live life like I want to live life. Here is Jesus Christ is offering you forgiveness for your sin, past, present future. Jesus Christ says, I want to remove your shame. I want to remove your guilt. I want to take you and I want to fill your life with purpose and joy. I want to give you all of this and I want to take you to glory and there forever, forever, not for 70 years, but for eternity you'll be with me. And people say, no, I'm doing all right, Lord. Does that make sense? No. Why? Because people are thinking out of worldly minds. And we're living for the moment, right? We're living for the instant. We're living for the present. And if you're as a child of God, you can't just live for the moment. You have to live understanding eternity is out there. And you live, my friends, for tomorrow and for the future. You live in the present, but you're living for eternity. And God says, I'm going to bring something into your life whereby you will look to me and it'll get your attention and you'll cry out to me because hear me, you're resisting my grace. You're resisting my mercy. You're resisting my forgiveness. You're, you're turning your, your, your back on me. And say, I can't understand why lost people who hear the gospel say, no, I want to hang on to my sin. 
because they're blinded. Because the devil whispers in your ear, you're going to miss something. You got to give up something. You don't have to do that. You don't have to give that up to be right with Jesus. And the devil starts whispering these things in your ear. And you think, life is about this world. And I'm going to live for this world. And we reject salvation because of pride. When does pride start? As an old man? Young man? Teenager? I've seen little kids like Bainy Roosters got so much pride. Really? I mean, yeah. Where'd they learn it, moms and dads? Yeah, from us. Yeah. See, see, we resist salvation because we're too prideful. We think we can handle this. We think we can do this on our own. We don't think we need you. We, of course God loves me. Why wouldn't he? And that right there, if that's your mindset, you don't know Jesus. Because of course God loves you. But the idea is, why should he? I am a sinner. And nothing apart from an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. I am capable of any sin. And yet he loves me. Not because, why not, why wouldn't he? Why should he? And so, so pride comes in. And so, so what we've done is we've got these modernized churches that we can go to now. And it's all about how good you are. And how, how loving God is to you. And he wants to bless you and you live the best life ever. And it appeals to my flesh. Right? There's no conviction of sin. There's no preaching on sin. And we encourage lostness. Because why would I need to change? And men are everywhere. And see, see and that's what I've, I've had people ask me. Well, what do you think about this? And, and I don't know any churches out here, all right? But this is back in East Tennessee. What do you think about this? I say, well, tell me the last time the guy preached on sin. Well, well he doesn't. Well, Jesus came to seek and save sinners. So, so, so you have to understand, you have to address sin if you're to proclaim the Word of God. Because what happens is, is, is all this positive reinforcement just reinforces my flesh. And so, see, here's the good news. When you understand that, that God loves you even in your sin, you realize, yes, I have a responsibility to Him. He saved me. He said, Jesus shed His blood for me. I, I am obligated to my Savior, my Lord, my Master. And see, a lot of folks will give you this false security because well, you're okay, I'm okay. Remember that psychology textbook? 40 years ago I'm not okay he said, well we know that preacher but you're not okay either you got issues you got stuff and God says I allow these issues I allow this stuff to get you to the point where you come to your senses like the prodigal son and you say I can't do it you can't 
Hallelujah, Jesus did. And we can look to Him and call on Him and trust Him. And He will make you brand new. And He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And He will put that new man inside of you. And day in, day out, you choose to put on the new man in Christ Jesus. And you walk therein. And when you don't, man, He disturbs your spirit. He disturbs your soul. He quickens you on the inside. Why? Because He's trying to bring you to that point of of repent. Repentance just doesn't happen once. It happens when you get saved. But I daily live under repentance. Turning from making a choice to turn to Christ to live under Him. Look look at Paul in Acts chapter 9. He was on the Damascus Road. Paul, he had it going on. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was highly educated. He spoke multiple languages. He was was zealous for the law. And on the Damascus Road where he had been given legal rights to go and to imprison Christians, to shut down churches, he's going there and he thinks he's serving God. Doesn't that amaze you? When a person thinks they're serving God, and they're opposing him. I think of the, the, our, our Muslim friends. They think they're serving God. But they stand against the true and living God. Rejecting Jesus Christ. But Big Paul, he thought he was doing the right thing. And see, see, that's where so many people are. I'm doing what's right. I'm a good person. And on the Damascus Road, do you remember how the story goes? He is struck blind. By the power of God. And and God speaks and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And and you know what Paul said, Saul, at that time? He said, Lord. What's Lord mean? Master. He recognized that was the living God. He was struck blind. He He was not able to find his way about. The guys that were with him, they had to lead him by the hand. And for three days in blindness, he sat there in that house. For three days, he did not eat anything. He did not drink anything. And for three days, God worked inside him. And you imagine he's questioning everything he had ever been brought up to believe. And all of a sudden, he responded somewhere in that process. He was born again. And the scales fell off. See, see, that's what has to happen still today. The blinders have to come off our eyes. The scales have to come off our eyes. And the way I've been doing it, it don't work. It doesn't last. I've got to do it God's way. I've got to do it by how the Word of God says. I've got to come by faith to Christ Jesus, repenting of my sin. And He will save me. He will born me anew. And after He got saved, the whole church was scared of Him. (laughs) It's like He would walk up and the security team would just gather around. We need to take this guy over here because... Why? Because he would take out Christians. Remember Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4? He was pagan. And yet he was surrounded by godly counsel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. And he makes this statement one day after he's, he's been surrounded by godly counsel. He says, look at the great Babylon that I have built. You ever look at your American dream and say, boy, look what all I've done. And what did God do? 
there's a fancy word for it. I don't remember the name of it. But all of a sudden, the king goes out in the field and he starts eating grass like a cow. Now, that's real respectable, isn't it? Our leader is out grazing. It says his hair grew like feathers. It says his nails grew like claws. God did that. And for seven years. Where's the king? I think he's out in the back pasture. We need to get some hay. It's going to be cold tonight. Wow, king's going to be hungry. And I'm making fun, but listen to it. God smote him. Why? Because he loved him so much. He wanted him to meet him. And at the end of seven years, his mind came back. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes through the the mind. It involves your mind. It involves your intellect. It involves your will. It involves your emotion. And Nebuchadnezzar, I believe we'll see him in heaven because he made a response to God. And God used a tragedy to get his... See, see, and sometimes that's what God works in. He, he says, you're looking at the moment. And no, I don't understand moments. But my friends, God says, I am going to use this for eternity to touch people's lives. Proverbs 29 one says, A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be res- destroyed without remedy. See, 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 brokenness. God uses these things in our life to bring us to a point of brokenness because he says, I want you to be fruitful. I want your life to count. I want your life to impact others. It, it says in John chapter 17, verse 23, Jesus prayed, He would be in us even as the Father has been in Him. See, the very fullness of Christ resides in your life. The power of Christ resides in your life if you're saved. The wisdom of God resides in your life. The, the, the strength of God resides in your life if you're saved. And God says, I want that to be released. I want it to show forth. And so he uses this process of brokenness where he says, I know now you will trust me not to handle things lightly, irreverently. I know now you will reflect me. And he takes us through brokenness. And when we don't understand and it hurts, but, but we're saying, Lord, I trust you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm clinging to you. Lord, I'm looking to you. And so sometimes we go through moments we feel like we're disconnected from everybody. And nobody understands. Sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes we find ourselves, we fall into temptation. Sometimes we're, we, we feel unspiritual. But, but God says, you're, you're, you're tried. And, and there's no victory. There's no joy. And God says, you're in a season now. You're in a season that I'm going to work you through this season if you will let me. If you will trust me. If you will cry out to me. If you will yield to me. I'm going to work you through this season. It might be seven years. It might be longer. But I'm going to work you. And I'm going to sustain you. Because you are a person of great value to God. And God says, I so loved you, I gave my son to die for you. And I not only want you to spend eternity with me in heaven, I want you to understand right now living for my glory. And I want the very life of Christ released inside of you. 
And guys, that's what it's all about, the life of Christ being released inside of us that we may know him in the power of the resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. You won't get through this life as a child of God without understanding to a bit what suffering involves. You won't get through and understand the power of God resting on your life without understanding some point of suffering. But God says, even in the suffering, you you need to realize, I've got you. Look what it says in John chapter 12, verse 24 and 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Guys, you've got one life. You can hang on to it. You can guard it. You can protect it. You can say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live for all the gusto I can. You've got one life. That's all you're going to ever get. Or you can release it to God and say, God, spin me. Put me in the ground. Let my body decay. But God, you break forth that shell and you produce out of me a vine. You produce out of me a stalk. And God, that stalk will come forth and it will bear forth fruit for all eternity. Is it fun? No! Is it essential? Yes. Now guys, this is where life is. You will face challenges, you will face difficulties, you will face heartache, you will face pain. Now that will draw a crowd. But that's true. But God says, in the midst of it, understand something. I'm working for a greater purpose. I'm working to magnify myself in you. I'm working to show you, to teach you, to make you into the very image of my son. Now here's, are you resisting him? Or are you yielding to him? Because you see, brokenness is the way by which you get true satisfaction in life. Brokenness is the way where you understand true repentance in your life. Because a broken person, they experience the supernatural power of Jesus Christ in their life. Do you understand that? A broken person experiences the supernatural power of Jesus Christ in their life. That does not mean you have the ability to perform miracles at any whim you want to perform a miracle. It means that you have the sustaining power of Jesus in you. And he enables you. And he sustains you. And he keeps you. And he works supernaturally. Whereby your words have impact. Your life has influence. And you touch people for all eternity. Broken people, they encourage encourage others they don't criticize people all the time they give encouragement to one another broken people they're not ashamed of the gospel you're not ashamed to tell somebody you're born again you're not ashamed to take a bible and open up and show somebody how they can come to faith in jesus christ a broken person they give without expecting to receive anything in return a broken person freely forgives how's your forgiveness level Do you understand what it means to forgive, to release, to let go? A broken person, they serve without need of recognition. Sure, my name's not in the bulletin this week. Why is it not in the bulletin this week? Didn't you know I did that? Just saying, all right? Just saying. You serve without need of recognition. You serve because it flows out of you. A broken person accepts responsibility for their mistakes. We all make those. And we're not jealous when other people are successful. 
We're cheerleaders for other people who are successful, who, who are see God using in, in stronger ways than us maybe. We, we learn how to solicit godly counsel when we're broken. We want to hear what do you think God says about this. Well, a broken person lets God be our defense. I can't explain why this bad situation happened, but I know my God's on the throne. And I'm going to trust him. Until you, until we as a church understand brokenness before the throne of God, we're not in a position for God to pour out what he wants to pour out. And you're going to understand brokenness by the world's means or a godly perspective because you're going to deal with it. And when it comes into your life, you can say, forget church, I don't need that mess, and you can walk away. And that could be an eternal, eternal, eternal bad decision. Or you can say, I don't understand it, but God, I've got to run to the altar. I've got to pour my heart out to Jesus. I've got to go to the one who went to the cross for me. Father, we bow before you this day. And God, I know this has not been a fun sermon. But God, this is where we live. And there's people in this room right now, they've gone through traumatic, tragic experiences of life and we don't understand it. We can't make sense of any of it. But we do know this, you're on the throne and you are still working. And even through bad experiences, you work to fashion us each into the image of your son. God, teach us how to trust you completely. Teach us how to obey you. Teach us how to love you, submit to you. And Father, every day as we face a new challenge, God, help us reflect you to a lost and dying world. And you may be here today as a a person and you've never been born again. You don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You don't have the assurance if you die tonight, you will go to heaven. I implore you, I beg you, if you don't know that you're saved, you can come to the altar this day. And through the open Bible, you can be shown what it means to enter into everlasting life to repent of your sins to be born again for the altar's open lost man lost woman lost boy lost girl won't you come won't you come see pride is what keeps you in your seat pride is what keeps you sitting where you sit because you're afraid oh what will people think of me oh and the devil whispers in your ear it costs too much you don't want to give all that up guys hear me life is short it's but a vapor it's here one day gone the next we're not promised another day Christ is today. The lost man, boy, young person, won't you come be saved? Saying to God, if you're in the middle of the, the fire right now, keep trusting Jesus. Let's stand together. We'll sing the invitation to Him. Obey God as He's spoken to your heart. Brokenness. God is in a